We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Justin. As the Thunder falls to the Cavaliers in Cleveland, 102 to 110. Before we dive into that, I want to let you know that we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Oklahoma City, in the midst of a massive road trip, a five-game road trip, they they end said road trip in Dallas on Monday night, a game in which I'll be in attendance. But tonight, they fall in Cleveland to the Cavaliers, one to one ten to one o two. Let's dive in. Five big takeaways from tonight's performance in Cleveland. Number one, Poku. Fourth quarter takeover. Second, Bay's blueprint. Third, giddy up. Fourth, shake it off. I'm sorry, it's a bad pun, but you're going to have to bear with me. And speaking of bad puns, number five, Trey, you dead man. So let's go through a game summary before we go through those five points. A quick game summary. Cleveland looked real good to start this one. Oklahoma City outscored by six in the first, seven in the second, uh, finds them down by 13 at halftime. Cleveland was kind of doing whatever they wanted. Credit to Oklahoma City, like they tried, they, they didn't look like they were getting steamrolled, but it was clear there was a talent gap. I've said many times that when I look at Cleveland, it's encouraging because what I see is the thunder in a couple years. Like if you, if you look at Cleveland's rebuild trajectory and you look at where Oklahoma city is right now, there's a lot of parallels. So I get very encouraged when I look at a team like Cleveland. Um, I, I think that there's, 
an argument that could be made for the Thunder that they're a piece or two away from being in a very similar position as the Cavs. And I think a, a, when you're watching really bad basketball and you're suffering through the lows of a rebuild, it's nice to have something to point to, a, no, a North Star to look at. And I've kind of used the Cavaliers for that because they were in a very similar situation. They did what they could to enhance their lottery odds. And they brought in guys like Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. They made a big trade and pushed some chips in to get Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen. And that feels like a really nice place to be. And so it's it's fun to look ahead and think of what Oklahoma City could look like in a couple of years. I think it could look a lot like the Cavs. In this one, though, the Cavaliers um, looked impressive. Uh, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen specifically, and Evan Mobley. So really, like, Karis LeVert's going to fill it up any night. Um, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, is this a surprise to anyone? Oklahoma City's weakness, their biggest weakness, is the interior presence. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, arguably, one of the best interior duos in the league. And they they had a very strong performance tonight, especially late in the game to close this game. Uh, 21 points for each of those big men for the Cavs. But going back to kind of the flow of the game, Oklahoma City down 13 at halftime. Um, Oklahoma City not necessarily playing bad. Shooting was poor in the first half, especially from behind the arc. It was like in the teens for a lot of the first half. Third quarter starts. Cleveland comes out hot. Oklahoma City gets down by as many as 17, but goes on a run. Goes on a run to shore it up in the third quarter and ends up outscoring the Cavs by three in the third quarter to turn the deficit to 10, heading to the fourth. And when the fourth started, Oklahoma City came out swinging. With Shea on the bench, uh, the second unit for the Thunder came in and played some really nice basketball led by Alexei Pokushevsky, who we'll talk more about, and Isaiah Joe. J-Dub had some nice minutes. Darius Baisley had some nice minutes. There was a lot of good contributions from that second unit from the Thunder that tied the game. They tied the game in the fourth quarter at, I think I believe it was 89. Um, and then Shea comes back in, and honestly... When Shea came back in is when the wheels fell off. It's It felt like Shea was looking for the ISO tonight when he checked back in in the fourth. It wasn't the free-flowing ball movement that the Thunder had been so successful with. Shea was kind of calling his own number, and it, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there tonight. Oklahoma City does still outscore Cleveland in the fourth 30-28, to 28, but they ultimately lose by eight. Uh, like I said, they tied it at, I believe it was 89 um, it was 93 to 94 at one point, and then Cleveland ripped off 10 straight. And they did that by going to their big men. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley were a huge factor in that 10-0 run. Oklahoma City can't really compete with that. They are not built to compete with uh, interior presence like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And I think that that was the difference tonight. Credit to Oklahoma City for throwing a punch. Credit to Cleveland for taking that punch and responding. Um, a solid basketball game on both sides of the floor. Ultimately, tilts in Cleveland's favor. So let's dig in a little bit deeper and go through my five big points for the evening. I'm so excited for point number one. The Poku fourth quarter takeover. 
Lord have mercy. Poku tonight. He started the game shooting one of seven, and it felt like a vintage Poku game. He wasn't playing erratic. I think he was still playing well. He just couldn't get the ball to go through the net. And, you know, one of seven shooting, not great Bob.jif. However, in the fourth quarter tonight, he starts the fourth quarter, that run that got Oklahoma City back in the ball game that tied the game after being down by as many as 17 in the third quarter. Poku starts the fourth shooting four of four, including two of two from behind the arc. Ten quick, quick points to start the fourth quarter. Isaiah Joe also tossed in a couple three-pointers. It was like all of a sudden after shooting like 25% from three, the Thunder decided to wake up, and it was really mostly Isaiah Joe and Alexei Pokushevsky. Uh, the two of them tonight shooting from behind the arc. Poku, like I mentioned, three of three on the night from behind the arc. Isaiah Joe goes three of six. He was three of four at one point. Those two were lighting it up. Poku's final stats on the evening, 16 points, 14 boards, five assists, three blocks, three of three from behind the arc. Some details on those numbers. This is Poku's third double-double of the season and his seventh game with three-plus blocks this season. A really nice evolution on his game. Uh, Nick Gallo tweeted out that Poku's got 38, I believe it is, blocks this season, and he only had 35 all of last season. I might have switched those numbers. I hear it as it's coming out of my mouth. I think he has 35 this season, and he had 38 all of last season. But still, that's an impressive jump for the young young Serbian player for the Thunder. It, an incredible game for Poku. Like I said, the, the shooting woes were there, but it felt like he was playing smart. He's playing up against some very impressive talent in the front court against Cleveland. Uh, in addition to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen that we already talked about, he also had to spend some minutes against Robin Lopez, um, who got the better of him on a play. And if you notice the Cleveland bench, uh, as soon as Robin Lopez got the ball in the post on Poku, uh, Donovan Mitchell stood up on the bench flexing. So he was looking forward to that matchup. Um, but he held his own. He held his own. He had some really nice blocks. He had some great minutes. He had a couple erratic passes, two turnovers tonight, um, as he seems to always be good for. But tonight feels like he played 34 minutes, a team high 34 minutes. Or sorry, second to only Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy played 38. 34 minutes for Poku in a fairly controlled game that he gets a massive double-double and let a, a comeback to start the fourth quarter. Imagine telling yourself like two years ago that that, would happen from Poku against a very solid Eastern conference team in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like this didn't happen in like tank ball to end the season when who knows is going to get massive numbers for the thunder. Cause they're not playing anyone like this was a normal, meaningful game for Oklahoma city to get that kind of output from Poku. is very, very impressive. Um, some nice passing from Poku as always. He had a really nice find late in the game. I can't remember if it was to Shea. I think it was, Poku's standing top of the key and finds Shea down low. And like the passing lane that he found was as good as the one that uh, Lionel Messi found uh, for Argentina yesterday. Really impressive stuff from Poku tonight. A huge, huge part of the Thunder being able to tie this game in the fourth quarter before Cleveland ultimately ran away with the victory. My second point tonight, the Bay's blueprint 
Now, if you've been watching this Thunder team, you'll know that Darius Baisley received DNP coaches' decisions the last two games. Concerning for the young Thunder player, um, definitely something that's been a little bit up and down this season. He's had games where he's played a couple minutes. He's had games where he gets, you know, in the teens, gets some normal rotation. But especially lately, it's been kind of trending the wrong direction. And with those last two games getting no playing time, it seemed noteworthy. It seemed uh, worth asking a question about, which Joe Masato did exactly that. Pre-game, he asked Dagnall about Baisley not playing and kind of what Baisley needed to do. And I thought Dagnall's answer was very interesting. And I want to read it now before we kind of dive into Baze's game tonight. Dagnall says, we're trying to help every guy understand their individual style of play that maximizes their strengths and maximizes their ability to impact the team. I would say that's basically the template, the blueprint for every guy. Figuring out what that is and executing it and playing to it, we think it's a competitive advantage. If everyone's doing that, deploying that at different times circumstantially, it's a good thing. That's a nice lead-in to Baisley's game tonight. Baisley tonight, 26 minutes. Eight points for Bays, Three of seven shooting. Two of three from behind the arc. Three boards, one steal, and one block. I don't think it's that hard to see what Bayes' blueprint is. 26 minutes tonight, the most he's played since October 29th, which was an overtime game against Dallas. Tonight was not an overtime game. So really, if you look at his minute logs in non-overtime games, 26 minutes far and away, the most burn for Darius Baisley this season. He played pretty well. He has some moments, much like Alexei Pokushevsky, that just always kind of leave you scratching your head. He had a moment tonight where it's it's always kind of the same thing. He he drives the lane without a plan. And I think you could see it a little bit more tonight when he started to do that. It was like he would stop himself and try to find somebody open on the perimeter. It felt like he was being more consciously aware of that. When Baisley was at his best, it's when he's baseline cutting. When he's getting into the basket, he's using his athleticism to put himself in position to score. We saw that multiple times tonight. For me, that's the Baisley blueprint that Dagnall's talking about. To best maximize his skill set, to best impact this team, it's doing stuff like that. Baisley, ISO, one-on-one, he's going to do the, he does almost the same thing every time. Dribbles down the paint, little hesitation dribble, probably throws in a spin move, and then what? blows a layup gets blocked or passes out to a teammate like there's not much else that happens in that equation but when you can use him cutting on the baseline almost almost like the andre robertson type role he's not not that far basically did hit a three pointer he had two three pointers tonight um he's got a deeper game than an andre robertson but what andre robertson did is he knew his role. He knew his blueprint and he stuck to it. I think Baisley's still working on that. And I think that that quote from Dagnault was very telling. I think his performance tonight was very telling coming directly after that quote. I think he did a better job of playing restrained tonight and he was rewarded with 26 minutes. It's going to be very interesting moving forward to see how that looks for Bays. Um, personally, after watching Oos in the G League the last couple of games, 
I would have really liked to see Oos out there tonight and see him get some some minutes. We actually, Kirk T in the chat said Oos would have been nice to have tonight. I totally agree. Um, Oos, this is a total sidebar, but like Oos has been balling in the G League, and I'm very excited to see him back on the Thunder. His last game with the Thunder was solid, and then he's been really great with the Blue. Um, but I think if Baisley can play within himself, that's where he's at his best. And I think that that was very obvious. Like that's what Dagnall wants to see. Here's your skill set. Here's what the team needs you to do. Go do that or you will not play. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And I think it's as simple as that. Point number three, giddy up. Josh Giddy tonight, 38 minutes. I mentioned earlier the, the largest minute getter for the Thunder on the floor tonight. 17 points, 7 of 16 from the floor, 1 of 4 from behind the arc, 13 boards, second only to Poku, 6 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. What stood out to me? was the aggressiveness from Josh Giddy. This is his fourth double-double in the last five games. That's not nothing. It seems like he's being more aggressive, and I think it's paying off for him, especially tonight. He was trying to get in the paint. He was calling his own number a little bit. He was going at that Cavaliers front court, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. As much as I want Josh Giddy to, you know, get the chip England special and continue to like learn how to knock down a three ball. I love seeing him attack the paint that craftiness that that's there, but can be touch and go at times. I want to see him hone that. 
I want to see him use that to dissect a defense and get into the lane. And whether that ends with a basket or whether that ends with an assist, that little like dump around pass that he's so good at, you've got to be able to threaten the defense with an attacking shot in order for them to respect that so that you can find those passing lanes. And so what I saw from Giddy tonight was, was exactly in that vein. I want to see him be demand respect from a defense like he did from the Cavaliers tonight. A solid game from Giddy. Um, I felt like at, at the peak of Thunder Twitter's disdain for Josh Giddy is when he he turned it on. Um, I think that's probably more coincidence than correlation. Don't go trying to shame players into hot streaks. I don't think that's a good strategy. But kudos to Josh Giddy. He he's played really well the last few games. Like I mentioned, fourth double-double in the last five games. You love to see it. You love to see it. He's still so young. He's so young. He passed 1,000 career points tonight in, uh, I believe, that's 77 games. So he's still not at a full season's worth of NBA games played. He passed 1,000 points. I believe Nick Gallo tweeted as well that he is the seventh youngest player to get 1,000 points and 500 rebounds. Not bad company. Not bad company at all, young man. He's got a long, long runway ahead of him. It's going to be full of ups and downs, but it's really nice to see him having having a positive stretch of basketball like he did tonight. Number four. Big takeaway number four. Shake it off. We go from the highs of highs to the lows of lows. Not somebody we've talked about much when it comes to lows. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Not a great night, buddy. Not a great night. Uh, SGA fouled out tonight, which like never happens. He had 23 points, three assists, two rebounds. He shot seven of 13 from the floor, 0 of two from behind the arc. He, uh, the 13 shot attempts is the lowest of the entire season. The 23 points is the fewest points scored since November 18th for Shea. He didn't look great. He didn't look bad until the fourth quarter, but he didn't look great. Um, he looked very average. He, you know, had a few moments where he's dissecting the lane. He started out pretty good. He took the ball, you know, right to Evan Mobley's chest and knocked him off balance and got some nice buckets in the paint. Uh, nine of nine from the free throw line, continuing to do what he does at the stripe. I believe he's like one of the highest free throw getters since that game a few weeks ago where he was upset about the calls. He's going to continue to do that. But tonight I felt like looking a little bit too much for the ISO ball. I mentioned it a little bit in the game summary earlier, but once he came back in after the bench unit had gotten the thunder back into it, it felt like he was looking for some ISO and it kind of stalled Oklahoma city. It kind of killed their flow. Cleveland took advantage, got some easy buckets when Shea wouldn't get in the ball to go through the hoop. It's as simple as that. The rest is history. Cleveland goes on a 10-0 run and shuts this thing down, and I think that was kind of the turning point of this one. It feels very weird to talk about Shea in that sense because he's been so, so good this season. He's, you know, feels like every night he's a lock for 30-plus points. Tonight was not that. It, it just wasn't the same level of execution that we're used to from Shea. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about long-term An off night. It happens. It's a long road trip. I'm sure Oklahoma city is looking forward to being 
uh, home again after they play Dallas on Monday. I think he'll be fine. Chase still having an incredible season and 23 points was still the most of any Thunder player. So don't get me wrong. He's still good, but I think the bar has been raised this season for what Shea is and what Shea can be. And this just wasn't up to par for uh, for what we've come to expect from Shea. So he needs to shake it off for Monday night because what I want to see is Shea cooking Luka Doncic in the American Airlines Center when I'm there watching in person. My last point, number five, a reference to the fabulous film Cool Runnings, if anyone gets the reference. Not a Christmas movie, but it feels like it should be. Point number five is Trey, you dead man. Trey man tonight, two points, eight minutes, one of three shooting, O of two from behind the arc. It's been a rough go for Trey man this season. It's very frustrating. He's shooting 38% from the floor this season. Um, he is shooting 29.2% from behind the arc this season. He's averaging nine points a game, 22 minutes a game. It's not been the season that I expected from Trey Mann based off last season, based off the end of last season. I was extraordinarily high on Trey Mann coming into this season. His shot creation is 100% still there. His ability to get open, create space, find an opening on the defense, get that knee parallel to the ground, and just find that open space, still there. But the ball doesn't go through the hoop. Shout out, hey man, did not expect a Cool Runnings reference tonight. Uh, there's always a good time for a Cool Runnings reference. But my guy needs to wake up his shot because it, it's not been there this season. 29% from behind the arc is absolutely not where I thought it'd be. 22% over the last 10 games. Yikes. It's been a rough go for Trey. I think what's tough right now for him in the rotation is you have a guy named Isaiah Joe that's sniffing over your shoulder. Joe tonight, 19 minutes, 12 points, three of six from behind the arc. I mentioned he started three of four, four of seven overall, three boards, one assist, two steals, hands down, a better night from Isaiah Joe. And I think that's been the case a lot over the last few weeks. Isaiah Joe's come in and kind of stolen Trey Mann's minutes. Isaiah Joe shooting 47% over the last 10 games. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And it's not like they're that different in age. Trey Mann, 21. Isaiah Joe, 23. About the same size, about the same build. I think Trey Mann probably feels that pressure having Isaiah Joe on this team. He's been a bit of a revelation for Thunder fans, but I think it's really interesting to kind of see that dichotomy. Like, is there a role for both of them? I don't know. I don't know if there's a spot for both of these guys moving forward, especially given that, you know, the Thunder are going to be bringing in a lot of people next year. I think it's far, far too early to write off Trey Mann, but I think it's going to be an interesting uh, little bit of competition to watch moving forward between Isaiah Joe and Trey Mann. So far, Isaiah Joe has looked like the more impressive prospect on OKC. I'm still a huge believer in Trey Mann. That shot creation is not teachable. He's just got to get the ball go through the hoop. What this season has reminded me of is like summer league 
his rookie year, that first action we saw of him watching him in person in Vegas, the shot creation stood out. He just couldn't get the ball to go through the hoop. What happened last season is as the season went on, the ball started going through the hoop. There's still plenty of time for that to happen this year. And in which case, the conversation around Trey Mann is totally different. That's the life of a shooter. Ball goes in, you're great. Ball doesn't, you're not. It's as simple as that. I think Trey will turn it around. But so far, uh, a rough go for Trey Mann this season and a rough go for Trey Mann tonight in Cleveland. A couple other guys I wanted to chat about before we wrap this thing up. Lou Dort tonight, back in the lineup after missing a game with an injury. Seven points. 22 minutes, three of 10 shooting and one of six from behind the arc. Most of those came very early. Lou Dort came in on a mission. I think he had like five of the Thunder's first seven shots or something along those lines. Came in firing. Uh, a lot of those didn't go in either. Um, I think his, I don't know if it's still like coaching directive to shoot at a higher volume or if this is just Lou getting excited to be back in the lineup. Either way, he took a lot of shots. Not a lot of them went in. But Lou Dort, still great to have him back on the floor in a Thunder uniform. J-Dub tonight, 11 points in 29 minutes, 4 of 6 shooting, 0 of 2 from behind the arc, 3 assists and 2 steals. He made some stuff happen. His steals were really well-timed in the game, uh, important to the Thunder's comeback. I still love his motor. I still love watching him play basketball. He gets it all over the court. Uh, very, very fun prospect for Oklahoma City and a steal at where they got him in the draft player of the game tonight. Shouldn't be a surprise. Alexei Pokushevsky have a day young fella. The double double was flying. The three pointers were falling the scoop shot, which I tweeted about. And I believe, I think this is like one of his actual family members responded to the tweet with laughing emojis. I tweeted about how his scoop shot, his feet are at the free throw line and his hands are at the rim. He continues to utilize those physical tools. He's going to be fun to watch. Just look at all the national love Bull Bulls getting. If Poku keeps this up, he's going to be right there along with him. Oklahoma City up, upcoming schedule, like I mentioned, in Dallas on Monday. The conclusion of this road trip, Dallas has been funky. Oklahoma City could steal one in Dallas. Then they come home for an extended stretch of home games. They're home starting Wednesday all the way up to December 27th. They play Miami on Wednesday, Minnesota on Friday, and Memphis on Saturday. Three solid games, though. Did Miami lost to the Spurs tonight somehow in Miami? Some games where Oklahoma City's going to have a chance to get some wins. Should be nice to get them back at home, get some rest, kind of get things back right. Hopefully some of those guys, especially shooting-wise, can kind of find their groove again playing back on their home floor. All in all, uh, the road trip for Oklahoma City, the extended road trip, um, four games so far. They are two and two. They have a chance to close it out at three and two if they can win in Dallas on Monday. Solid stuff from Oklahoma City, even in a loss tonight. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And like I started the podcast with, if you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and you kind of pin the thunder a few years down the road, there's a lot to be excited about. You look at the upcoming draft, the assets the Thunder have, the players they have now that cannot play. Cough, cough, Chet Holmgren. Can't finish a pod without mentioning him. It's a very exciting time in Oklahoma City. 
Thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for chatting along with us on Twitter, hanging out in the live stream chat. We're going to be back at it tomorrow, the whole gang together to chat the bigger picture stuff for the Thunder. So be sure to check that out Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We appreciate y'all. It's been an awesome season so far, and I'm excited for the next uh, week ahead. So thanks for tuning in again. And as always, Thunder. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.